Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. How are you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday, the 25th of October 2021, with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 355. Just uh, three days on from an appointment, telephone appointment. It was meant to be an online appointment, turned into a telephone appointment with the speech therapist, and I've completely disregarded her advice, her wise counsel and just gone straight into doing the show without, well, without doing any of the exercises that uh, she told me I need to keep up. But, uh, you know, time is against me, as it often is. Hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. A day of increasingly aggressive beard stroking for me. Just 47 days away from Christmas now, maybe seven from another lockdown or a new wave of uh, restrictions to be brought in here in the UK with the COVID situation worryingly high again and uh, seven or a few more days away, I suppose, from bringing in the winter coat. Still fairly mild out there, I think. There was one cold morning last week, might have been Thursday. Mastered the thermostat now for the boiler. Just had the heating on for an hour to dry some clothes well behind on my washing this week. I don't think I've got any. Uh, no, I, I'm just looking. I don't think I have a thermal top that's going to be dry for my run just after recording this. So I'll be going out there short sleeve today, which, uh, as I say, it's a fairly mild day out there. I don't think that's going to be too much of a problem. Hard swallow there. Busy week ahead, full of interruptions for me. Hospital appointment, physio appointment. I'm not a catch for any woman right now or these days, I suppose. Best steer clear is uh, my advice. Let me give you a time check. It is 15.41 hours. Let's crack on with episode 355, he said to his 60 or so listeners. I've got the funeral on Wednesday, my old neighbor's funeral. That's going to take me into Merton and beyond. So that's going to be an epic journey. I've got a single decker to get there that uh, during peak hours takes over an hour to to reach Morden. I was in Morden last Tuesday night to watch the Liverpool game with my friend there. And uh, I was on that bus first. The journey up, yeah, the journey up there, I was on the bus, I think, for about 85 minutes. Deep vein thrombosis. I think if you can get it on any bus, it's going to be one of those long single-decker journeys in London that take you through the back streets and you've got all these... Uh, bumps on the hail and ride section and then you're getting stuck in traffic as you cut through Streatham and Streatham is I mean Streatham is vast I've never liked Streatham I've lived in Streatham before but I've never liked it and it's just so big Streatham was the first time I lived somewhere where there were lots of trees and uh, I think that was the point I realized that uh, I need buildings you know I need life I need life around me anything that looks like the suburbs mentally I'm in trouble my friend, my old friend from Mayflower, and it is weird, really, because his his mum was the last remaining adult from when we were kids who went through the Mayflower experience, and she was in 48 Mayflower for 50 years. And I don't know if I mentioned last week, but things were so extreme there by the time of her final days there that the London program with Trevor Phillips almost got involved at the end. That's how unusual, basically, the living conditions were. And this is in the noughties that Trevor Phillips was going to uh, step in. My friend said to me, look, uh, I appreciate your aunt and uncle won't be able to come. It's going to be too far for them to travel and they're elderly, but here's a Zoom link for them. Well, first of all, you know, my aunt and uncle don't have the internet. Secondly, if they had it, I don't think I I, I could... I don't think they would grasp that you can see a funeral online. I mean, I can barely grasp that, but I think trying to sort this out for them online and having them watch a funeral online. Just the process of getting them to that point, I think would probably culminate in my own funeral. So I said to my friend, I said, look, you 
you've known them all your life. Can you really see them sitting through a Zoom funeral, even if they had the internet? And uh, he agreed it's probably not a good idea. In a welcome development, at least for me, my aunt and uncle are currently without ITV. They're waiting for their TV man to swing by to restore it for them. My aunt kept telling me she's missing her Brookside show, and I was thinking I don't recall her being a fan. She's always been Emmerdale, Coronation Street, and EastEnders. I think Brookside, peak Brookside anyway in the 80s, was too cerebral for her. And also, I was thinking when she said Brookside, I was thinking, well, if ITV got the rights to that now, I'll, you know, wouldn't more for all channel, whatever, Freeview Channel 4 stations there are as an ITV2 equivalent, wouldn't they be showing Brookside? And it was only when she started talking about playing cards and uh, the price is right that I realized by Brookside that she actually meant Bruce Forsyth. Is it too late to sign her and my uncle up for some English language classes? If I sold some work, I think I'd pay for their courses myself. I really do. Yesterday, did quite a bit of work, working on my comedy short, which has actually got me feeling quite content. It's the most exciting thing I've worked on all year. Got a title for it now as well. We'll shortly be casting it. And uh, at the moment, on another draft, just trying to lose a couple of pages from it. But I do like that process. And I'm disciplined now that even if I've written some line, which I think is brilliant, if I think it can go, it goes. But Still got a couple of pages to, to show you from it. I was in the cafe this morning, more of which late, and I was working on it there. And what I do is the first latte is spent working on the printout and editing it. And then the second latte is spent typing it all up, cutting, making the cuts on final draft, saving the new file, getting home, printing it off. I'm just really excited by this, more excited than you know I have been by anything else that I've worked on this year and it's just such a relief to be working on uh just 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 working on a script really it's i just feel very content when i'm doing what i'm best at so i worked around the united liverpool game yesterday as a lifelong liverpool fan i didn't think that i would live long enough to to see that kind of win. I probably wish it would have come maybe 25 years ago when I would have been really passionate about it and would have been riddled with nerves watching the game. I did have a feeling that if Liverpool were you know were ever going to thump United it was going to be it was going to be yesterday 5-0. I mean that was uh, it was brilliant to watch it really was and of course the analysis afterwards looking at the decline of United under Solskjaer, well, I mean, it's a decline that's been going on since uh, Ferguson was there in his final years. Never mind when Ferguson retired. By the way, let me just stress, this isn't a football show. I'm just telling you how I spent Sunday. I enjoyed it. I always like seeing United lose, as every Liverpool fan does. And I think as pretty much every non-United fan in the country probably does. It's almost a national sport, but... Uh, for Liverpool to go there and just put five past them, I think, is incredible. And also, you know, to watch someone like Mo Salah, you know, Jurgen Klopp, since he said Salah is the best player in the world, everyone's jumping on that. Oh, he's the best player in the world. Suddenly, the last two weeks, he's the best player in the world. He may or may not be, but it does remind me when someone in the late 90s had said that Beckham's the best crosser in the world. And then about a week later on a Champions League game, I think it would have been, it was United into Milan the spring of 99 Champions League, the year United won it. Uh, they were unbeaten, I think, in 17 games that year. So it was quite an accomplishment and it had two group stages, I think, that season and the following season. It was a really brutal Champions League. About a week later, Keegan jam uh, jumped. Keegan jumped on the bandwagon. Wagon? Keegan, let me start again. Tricky moment, this for the show. 1548 hours. Can he work his way through this? Keegan jumped on the bandwagon and told Brian Moore as if no one in the country had heard this in the last week. He said, Beckham's probably the best crosser of the ball in the world now. And that stuck for the rest of Beckham's career. Now, he may well have been the world's best crosser of a ball. He probably was. But what I don't like about... Uh, these things is the way someone says it and everyone jumps on it and are saying it as if the rest of us haven't read or heard this. So now the last two weeks, all we're hearing is Mo Salah is the best player in the world. And yes, he might be. And it might hint at the decline of Messi and Ronaldo. Probably does. But, you know, Salah's 29 years old now. He's no spring chicken. Messi and Ronaldo have 
held that status since their early 20s. So it just goes to show what uh, outstanding players those two are. But yeah, Mo Salah. What I was going to say, the reason I'm talking about Mo Salah is because I think this is the wonderful thing about football. This is a North African player. This is an Egyptian player. And you've got Scousers serenading him with that song. Mo Salah, Mo Salah whatever the rest of the words are, may just be Mo Salah, Mo Salah, Mo Salah. My point being, though, that that is the wonderful thing about sport. Someone can come from the other side of the world, Egypt, no real history of producing great players, and, you know, northern fans have taken this player to their hearts. And I like that. I, I, I think that's, the you know, one of the great things about sport, the way it unifies people I've just um, I've closed the bedroom window. I like to air the flat, particularly with all the damp problems in this place. But it is ladybird season now. Didn't have this problem last year, but even with the new windows, they're still getting in. And I, I was there in the bedroom, and I've also checked the study. And sure enough, even with the new windows, these ladybirds get through. And, uh, you know, I can handle moths as long as they're not big ones. But ladybirds and their wings really are an issue for me. You can hear them flying about. I've said this before on the show. It wasn't something I was aware of until about 10 years ago when I heard something one day in the uh, flat I was living in, in SW8, and I was thinking, what is that? And it was a ladybird, and it's astonishing how much noise these little insects can make when they're flying. I only aired the bedroom for about 30 minutes just because there were so many ladybirds out there. I was flicking them off the ledge. Then there was one at the top of the window. And of course, this is high ceiling, so it's not easy to get to the top of the window. So in the end, I've closed the blinds down. And oh, close the blinds, don't need to say close the blinds down. This is one of the reasons why this flat is a bit like the others, why it's quite gloomy. Because the reason there are ladybirds... Here, it's a, it's a thing common to when you live near a train track. That is always a, a hotbed of ladybirds. So the back of the flat, I do tend to keep the blinds down. But of course, if, you, if you're not letting in any light, then that can give rise to a moth problem. So I'm trying to balance the two out. I don't want the ladybirds, but I don't want moths. And uh, there was a spell earlier or back in the summer, towards the back end of summer, where I was having to kill a few moths late at night. And I was thinking, OK, now I've got to got to open the blinds and got in some, um, not mothballs, some other thing that I bought from Asda one morning that's been very effective. So now I try to leave the blinds open, but clearly it is ladybird season, so I might need to rethink that. And I'm probably going to have to be checking each night now for any ladybirds in the bedroom. The problem is that last year, the uh, the window guys, they broke the blinds. So it's not an easy thing to do. I can't get the blinds all the way up as I used to. Moaning, let's uh, let's move on. It is uh, it is quite a warm day. Fairly warm. I, I don't think I'm going to need that thermal top. Mind you, I have had a blast of heating for an hour because I am trying to... Trying to um, dry out that thermal top. This week's show, In The Blurb... How many times can a lowly podcast host mention a thermal undershirt? I think I'm going to be okay in a t-shirt. As soon as this finishes, I'll be out there for a run. On Friday, I ran 14k. I think if I'd plotted my route a bit better, I would have hit 15. This week, Friday, I'm going to aim for 15. I'm going to run Monday. Well, I'm going to run tonight. Uh, then I'm going to have to run Wednesday morning, which proved very difficult for me last week. I think losing that extra eight, nine hours of rest between the Monday run and the Wednesday run didn't really work for me. I was very sleepy as well. And I can, you know, just feel so jaded right now, as maybe you do. Maybe it's maybe it's the whole pandemic thing, or maybe it's just an age thing now. I don't know. I just feel very, very tired. The only time I don't really feel jaded is when I'm running, although, of course, I can feel tired when I'm running. And I, the plan is this Friday, I think, is scrap the warm-up at the start that counts towards my running stats. You know, I start the app as soon as I start the warm-up, but the idea is to ease myself into my run, and I'm just going to go lap the lap. And instead of four laps, in addition to the extensive warm-up, that I've done. I'm going to try for five laps, see if I can just break through the pain barrier presented by that uh, initial climb. And I do find it hard running, as I say, on the um, on the tarmac because unless you run in the middle, which you can't, because you've got people walking 
towards you and you know away from you and then you you know that those those pathways slope off into the grass areas so it's not very comfortable for me running on on tarmac you can't run in the middle because you're going to be running into people you need to pick a side and then you find yourself you you you're leaning in towards one side and it becomes very uncomfortable and it can't be great for the joints in that respect i'd probably be better off running on the streets pavements but i suspect understandably again this year if uh, the covid situation worsens and you know it's pretty bad as it is here in the uk it's one in 55 had covid last week um you know you're going to have pedestrians are going to be irate with runners and also it's not easy to see in the dark and even my um even though i've got the 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 hat with a little flashlight and my high vis it's still not easy uh, to see out there. So I've got to work out what I'm going to do. I've got to work out whether I'm going to be strong enough physically to be able to run these lengths going into the winter. I'm trying to make more of a, an effort to run on tarmac now and phase out the grass because much of my route is getting waterlogged. I'm trying to do a bit of both so that when, you know, winter is really here, I'm not going to, you know, my body's not going to go into shock when I'm running on tarmac, but it is, I think, I think it's a bit harder running on the tarmac if you've got the option of uh, recently cut grass. I saw my neighbor a couple of times last week. The second time I was on the phone to my aunt, I gave her a call I'd had a missed call from her and I'd, I'd just finished uh, the Friday run and I was chatting to her on the phone, saw my neighbor and I thought, well, that's okay because I'm on the phone so I won't be able to speak to him and we just uh, acknowledged one another in the road. But that was the second time we'd seen each other last week. The first time I was walking towards the cafe, my neighbor was coming towards me. He was listening to something and I th- again, I thought, well, that's good because we don't have to talk. But uh, And it was touch and go as to whether he was going to see me. I... I walked right by his side and at the last moment he looked up and I gave him the thumbs up. I think I actually started the thumbs up just before he walked past in case he might have seen me before and thought I'd blanked him. He seemed to be alerted to the thumbs up and uh, he looked up, smiled, gave me the thumbs up. I pushed him into the thumbs up, I think it's fair to say. I wonder if he, like me, reflected it was a cheesy moment on both our parts, whether we might have being able to stop and talk about the various issues going on in the building. But, you know, I was walking somewhere. He seemed to be in a hurry. I I think it was the best case scenario for both of us just to get back indoors. Moments later, I noticed a dog digging up the soil after it did its business in the park. And its owner was going, um, you know, crouching down with their poop bag that they think resolves everything. And uh, the owner was hurrying after its canine master to to clean up the mess. The dog briefly looked back at what it had left behind. And I assume noticed how ineffective the digging up was. And I thought to myself, I wonder if that dog or any dog for that matter, when glancing back after attempting to hide its park ruining business, is honest enough to admit to themselves, yeah, you know what, that doesn't really work. In eBay news, I haven't bought any Star Wars action figures now for months, but there is a guy at the moment selling the last 17 Star Wars figures. These just go for ridiculous amounts. They go for hundreds of pounds. He started them off, I think, at 99p. One of them started off at 9.99, and by the end of the first day, I think at least six of these figures were already in the hundreds. And there was still, I think, five or six days left of the auction. I think if I was one of these guys who just had money to burn, who made a silly amount of money and, you know, had a hobby that no one else could understand, I would buy those figures. I think it's going to be very difficult to get them. So um, I do wonder, you know, you get these guys who are Sabucho collectors and they find stuff in charity shops. I don't really go into charity shops that much, but I do wonder if there would be a chance of finding Star Wars figures in a charity shop. Also, I've looked occasionally on Gumtree, but with Gumtree often you have to go there in person and you sometimes look at the pictures and you, you sometimes notice the background, the, the 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 flat, the home that's pictured in the photographs and you think, is that, you know, that could be someone really dodgy and you're going around there in person. 
and unless you're going to let someone know where you're going, what if you disappear? The last we know of the little-known podcaster, he was on his way to somewhere in North London, where he had lined up a deal to pick up some Star Wars vintage action figures. I wouldn't want that kind of scenario unfolding. Let me give you this week's book that I'm reading. I finished Wickwood, which was okay. You know, nothing momentous. Uh, A page-turner, as is this week's book. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, especially after I'd had to abandon that book, The Pursuit of William Abbey. And now I know the author of the book, but I... Oh, okay. Right, just going to have to go into my Instagram. I forget all this stuff. Right, let me find the name of this book. Should have prepped this beforehand. Here we go. The House of a Hundred Whispers. And this is by Graham Masterton. I thought it was Masterson, but that's because my eyes are so bad. Again with the eyes, Dave. So let me give you the... uh, let me give you the blurb for this book. Already read about 130 pages, started it yesterday. Fast-moving book. Not, uh, It's not a brilliant book, but it is a page-turner and it's enjoyable. You know, and what more do you want from a book? It's uh, Here's the blurb. All Hallows Hall is a rambling Tudor mansion on the edge of the bleak and misty Dartmoor. It is not a place many would choose to live. Yet the former governor of Dartmoor Prison did just that. Now he's dead, and his children, long estranged, are said to inherit his estate. But when the dead man's family come to stay, the atmosphere of the moors seems to drift into every room. Floorboards creak, secret passageways echo, and wind whistles in the house's famous priest hole. Just on the priest hole there, I did have a dream overnight, and I'm sure it's down to this book, because it does talk a lot about priest holes and... Very clever priest holes. I don't know if it's using genuine priest hole architects because there are some ingenious priest holes in this. But well, there is a very ingenious priest hole carved into this uh, into this house that they finally find. And uh, I had a dream that I was in a place that had a priest hole. No doubt from this book had to be. Let me just continue. And then on the same morning, the family decide to leave All Hallows Hall and never come back. Their young son, Timmy, disappears from inside the house. Does evil linger in the walls or is evil only ever found inside the minds of men? You're listening to Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available. Episode 355. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at 1607WestEgg. Facebook.com forward slash DRT available. DanielRuizTyson.com where you'll find all my work. If you want to make a one-off donation to the show to support the work, there are PayPal and Coffee.com links on there. And any donations via those two methods will get the latest Patreon bonus episode of Available we transfer to them. The links last for seven days, so you have to download them within the first seven days to get them. There's also, of course, the patron page, which is what does keep this show alive. Those of you supporting the show on there who continue to support it, I do appreciate it. The show is here because of you guys. So far this month, two Patreon bonus shows, 80 minutes worth of extra content, and there will be more just had a voice note I've got to listen to from quite a long one by his standards, actually almost three minutes long from a certain broadcaster. He does like being RT'd. It will always prompt a response from him uh, via WhatsApp. We all love an RT, to be fair. Suffering quite badly from the vertigo the last uh, week. Started Two Sundays ago, still ongoing, had to have my medication changed. The first lot of pills weren't doing anything. Spoke to another GP. He said, I don't know why you've been given these. They're pretty rubbish. He's now put me on something more pronounced. Told me that I don't have to wait for the pills uh, to take effect, that I need to be doing the exercises right away. So I've had to start doing them. They take 20 minutes a day. They're an absolute pain and can induce the nausea which you are warned about, but you were also told that ultimately this is all for the greater good. So let me just, where did I, I opened the page so I could tell you what it is that I've 
got I've got something called BPPV, which sounds like a Spanish bank. It's benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. That's what I've got, which is leaving me wiped out, particularly in the mornings. You know, I feel like I've got motion sickness even now. The good thing is when I do go out, of course, you're walking or you're running, you're distracted, your mind's got something else to occupy it. But indoors, it's proving very difficult having to do these um, exercises, which I'll tell you about in uh, in a moment. And I'm taking three of these pills a day. The doctor said if within a couple of weeks it's still ongoing, feeling no improvement, then I'll have to be seen in person. And I've been told to do these exercises called Brandt Daroff exercises, which they well actually they say they can stop not they will stop they can stop the dizzy spells experienced by bppv sufferers it's not clear why the exercises work some evidence suggests that the exercises help to relocate the loose crystals that cause the dizziness in the first place whereas other evidence suggests that repeated exposure to the feeling of dizziness reduces its intensity the problem for me with the exercises i'm confident that they will they will be worth doing and that at some point I'll see the value of them. But it's also inducing headaches now because, first of all, you've got to lie on your left side for 30 seconds. And as you're lying on your left side, you've got to turn your head to the side and look at the ceiling. And then you sit up for 30 seconds. And then you've got to go on your right side and do the same for 30 seconds. And then you sit up again, and it's five repetitions. So in all, it takes... It takes uh, 10 minutes. So you do them in the morning, you do them at night, that's 20 minutes. And the left side I find particularly difficult. So my my biggest problem might be on the left side. But of course, because then maybe I'm using muscles I don't normally use, it's leaving me with neck ache, which is triggering headaches. I had to take uh, two ibuprofen about oh, 0200 hours this morning, then I took some Nurofen in the morning. I've still got a bit of a headache right now, which hopefully the run after this hopefully will help uh, clear up. And let me read you the rest of this. What is the benefit? What are the risks or disadvantages? The exercises are likely to provoke dizziness. They certainly do, particularly the ones, uh, the one, blah, 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 dizziness ones. Uh, they're likely to provoke dizziness. The ones on the left side certainly do, and I do them by the coffee table, and I tend to pull myself up by wrapping my left hand very quickly around one of the table legs because the room is spinning right away. It's not so bad on the right side. That's why I'm saying I think my biggest problem might be on my left side. And uh, says the exercises should preferably be performed with another person present. Well, that's not going to happen. I can't even get hold of my alter egos uh, right now. Some people find it difficult to persevere with the exercises, but they have a good success rate. I'll certainly persevere with the exercises. Look, I'm a man who can persevere with a long-term failing podcast. I'm going to be able to do these exercises and commit to them long-term. There's no problem. The alternative, if this doesn't work, there is something called an Epley maneuver. Your specialist may perform a Epley maneuver with you in clinic and then recommend these exercises for you to use at home as these are easier to perform unsupervised. I'm not going to look into Epley maneuver right now. Hopefully, I'll be okay. I've just closed that tab and now I've got something up on my screen telling me I've got a four-minute test to do that I've completely forgotten about. Let's move on with the show, The Hall's Addiction. Not beating that. I had so many hauls yesterday. And you get to a point where you think, yeah, that's too many. That doesn't feel good. I'm going to be telling them at the hospital tomorrow how I'm dealing with that particular issue and how the hauls are helping, but maybe I'm overdoing the hauls now just because they're really nice. And I'm just quite a fidgety guy I guess I'm I'm quite restless in bed I'm such a bad sleeper that having something in my mouth to grind down something as pleasant as the halls mint it really um it's become a bit of a problem if if they ran out of them in the in the shops as they almost have in recent weeks I, I think I would be really worried what I've noticed about them though is that they're quite awkward to pull out of the boxes the boxes are in tightly packed shelves so you've got to really squeeze your hand in and they're often really tightly packed within those boxes. So what I've started doing, which I normally wouldn't do, it's quite selfish really because it becomes all about you as the customer. I've started tearing the boxes up in the shops just so I can grab 
the halls much easier. And uh, you know the way you get footballers now, you know they always latch onto fashions and the likes of Jack Grealish with their shorter socks. And you had Carl Walker of Man City the last few seasons tearing holes in his, you know, in his uh, in his socks because. Uh, the back of the socks are too tight on their calves. I think that's effectively what I'm doing with the Halls suites. By tearing the boxes, I'm loosening the boxes and it makes it easier to to, to, to grab the mints from the boxes. I think that's what I'm starting to do. Those boxes, th- there's no space. I'd love to see, well, I wouldn't love to see. I don't think it'd be very interesting, but... They're so tightly packed in there. I wonder what the idea is. There's no, there's, there's no give or take when it comes to the space in there. And I wonder if the manufacturer maybe could, could like, uh, look into that. Even let me give you my nectar points as we move towards the uh, latter half of what I think is a fairly decent show this week. Maybe you'll tell me on uh, Twitter Saturday morning, just before going to the cafe. Oh, I can feel my ear there. That's my right ear. Bought a single orange, the orange top up. Today actually is the first day that I've been out in a long time where I've not actually gone into a little or a Sainsbury's. It's an OCD, just constantly topping stuff up rather than, you know, just doing a, a once a week shop. I still do the the big once a week shop, but I'm in there every day. I, I don't know, just admin, 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 admin. Bananas. I'm I'm addicted to bananas at the at the moment. I'm having uh, yeah, I'm having four a day. Had two already today. Can't see what. Oh, this is some pasta sauce. Went for the bigger jar. It was 65p. The smaller jar was 55p. Uh, bought a single fair trade banana to have just before I got to the cafe. Uh, I got to the cafe at 08.45 hours on Saturday morning. That was already my second banana of the day. I paid 12p for that. My items came to £2.82. Previous points balance was 369, earned two points. New points balance, 371. Your points are worth 185. It's going to be touch and go to see if I get to the 250 before Christmas. I've got, what, I've got 129 points to get in just 47 days. I'm not sure that I've got that spending pattern in me. And uh, just had uh, an email from Baxi I'll have to read after the show. Hope you're well, Baxi, though. I look forward to reading your email. And there we go. The Sound of South London, which I dedicate to Baxi this week. So that's the Nectar Point Star Wars football. Again, not much Star Wars football action. Might be just a couple of games the last week. I'm just, um, there's always a period during the season where there's a break in games. Yeah, there's just been one game since I was last with you. And uh, that was the derby between Empire and Hoth on Saturday night. I I brought that fixture forward. I didn't fancy playing the all-second division clash between Tagadan and Hosnian Prime, so I played Empire Hoth. Uh, Hoth had knocked Empire out, I think, in the quarterfinals last season. Empire decisive winners by two clear goals on Saturday. They were at home, R2-D2. The returning prodigal son, now in his second spell with the club, he got uh, both goals. Empire played a very adventurous side with four forwards, although Stormtrooper was in a withdrawn role. And it was the side, really, that wowed Star Wars football in the first half of last season that saw them uh, win the um, Christmas Cup. What's interesting there is that in their ranks, they've got Stormtrooper, they've got Brixton Ben and they've got R2-D2, original R2-D2. All three of them have scored over 100 goals in the history of Star Wars football, stretching back 39 years. They're all original Star Wars football players from the first season, 1982, uh, winter of 1982. And no other club has three players in their ranks who've all scored a century of goals or more. For half the Warrior News today emerging is that Han Solo could be set for a return to his first club X-Wing, whom he left after the uh, victorious, even the victorious, all-time greatest ever match of Star Wars football, the Christmas Cup 1984 final, which went to penalties. And in his farewell game, he scored the decisive penalty. The game went to penalties as X-Wing beat Bears. He could be returning 
2X-Wing with C-3PO, Death Star's disillusioned, former Tatooine great going to going the other way and, and move into Hoth. That remains to be confirmed. I think that story is going to run and run for the rest of uh, Silver Age Season 6. Of course, the Christmas Cup does start in just over four and a half weeks' time, which should see the season really um, just grabbing the imagination. Of course, if my uh, sister comes for Christmas this year, that might uh, interrupt the uh, Star Wars football fixtures. Not sure I'd feel confident. Uh, not co- confident is the wrong word. I think I'd feel very self-conscious playing this in front of someone. Okay. You know what I'd like to do is film the Star Wars football games, but I'd need some kind of gloves that would cloak my hands, like an invisible cloak, but gloves, invisible gloves, so you wouldn't see my hands moving the players about. And I think that would, uh, that, I think you'd find it very, very good visually, very exciting to watch uh, Star Wars football. Let's uh, go to the cafe now. The Curtains, the Oriental kid, he was in the cafe several days last week, including one late afternoon. Whatever time he's in, I've noticed he will have his full meal. So that's chips every day for this kid. And he's thin as a rake. But uh, that diet can't be doing him any good. Stooping in for every mouthful, as he always does. Uh, No hot drinks. Earphones in. Unwilling to engage with anyone. I do like... um, I like watching new people, Hard Swallow. I like watching new people discovering the cafe. I find myself wondering what attracted them, what they make of it at this early stage, and whether they will remain loyal to the cafe. Other things that have attracted them to the cafe originally, are they maybe similar to the things that attracted me to the cafe? In my case, it was simply the coffee. Early on, I was just grabbed instantly by the coffee. I was in there on the Sunday, and I was back in there on the Monday. I remember back in uh, August 2001, Saturday morning, I was in for breakfast and uh, uh, Miss May was in. She is mentioned in my 2016 disastrous ebook. Nothing I can say to that. She appeared in my 2016 uh, disastrous ebook, Me, 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 which is still available on Amazon if you have a, a Kindle. And uh, she was uh, dating. She, she'd settled down with this very old guy. They had a daughter. And at the time, I'd, I'd done some reading on the kind of children produced by older parents. And it did say that there, there, there was a, an increased chance that the, the kid could be extremely ugly, which I suppose is why you would really need to be a driver if you had an ugly kid. You wouldn't want to be taking that ugly kid onto the buses because you'd have to be stepping in. If uh, anyone was picking on those kids, that would be quite difficult. That would be the situation I'd find myself in being a non-driver. The daughter was in, I think she's about five or six now. I wondered as I looked at uh, May standing at the counter to pay for her drinks, I wonder whether she's now at the stage where, I mean, she may not even be 40 and she's perhaps regretting being with old dad now, who was actually very camp. I think that was the biggest surprise for me. It wasn't the age gap. Age gap. Let me just sort out my addiction there. It wasn't the age gap. It was that he was just so camp. I think that was a... I think that was a work relationship, okay? I think that was a work relationship that survived because I don't see how that dating with that kind of age gap when she was already approaching middle age and he was by then in his late 40s or early 50s. I I don't think that kind of relationship happens outside of a workplace. He might have been her boss and something developed between them because I don't think that your pals... You know, we're always meddling. People in couples are always meddling. They, 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 you know, refuse to accept that someone on their own might be happy. Now, in my case, I'm on my own and I'm certainly not happy, but I do have friends who are on their own who are happy. But it's just an assumption, I think, that uh, people in couples, couples tend to make about single people that they can't be happy and they're always meddling and trying to sort you out with someone. And I don't think that would have been the case here because I don't think your friends would fix you up with someone from a different generation. That would make no sense whatsoever. And also you might be thinking, well, what are they doing being friends with someone from a different generation? On Friday, I caught the mullet's eye to order my second latte. I mouthed it as he was too far to hear me, but it was still accompanied by audio, now fully formed words. The woman at the next table, she glanced over and she must have thought I was a mute. I was sat at what is my favorite new table. 
over in the far corner by the folding windows, folding doors rather, windows, well they got windows, whatever, which is an impractical spot in winter. But at the moment, as I said earlier at the top of the show, it's not very cold. It's fairly mild out there, so it's not a problem. And I was sat there two afternoons in a row and around 1,500 hours, that vapor, the same vapor, who's a guy who's balded but has grown his hair out. He's in his 60s. He's grown his hair out, so you can't categorically say that he's balded. He's got the hair very high up on the forehead, and it's very long now. But if that hair was cut short, you would say he's probably balded uh, or bald in. But at times, because these are foldable doors that are ill-suited to the climate, I could smell his vape coming through the cracks in these uh in these windows so i wouldn't sit there too often because you know it's one thing having a vapor but if it was a smoker an old school smoker you're going to be passive smoking there but it's a nice spot it really is a nice spot maybe the best spot in the cafe right now did get very busy in that corner at some point last week and my table was, it's a two-seater, sorry, four-seater. They split the tables up and a woman came and sat less than, you know, probably half a meter away from me. And then a guy came and he was coughing a lot. And you think, am I doing the right thing being here? I mean, do I, you know, why is this not making me nervous? A year ago, I wouldn't have done that. Six months ago, I might not have done that. And now I'm just there and I can't let the cafe alone you know i'm just i'm just there every day i can be there was a, a a lengthy conversation with myself and the mullet about the english weather one afternoon last week i only got that small talk exchange off the ground to prove to the woman from earlier that i wasn't a mute it was important to me that she knew that there were several more weak coffees from mr tricolor last week a strategic mistake on my part, I think. I should have made it clear far sooner that while I don't like strong coffee, I do actually need coffee in the latte. It's His coffees are the latte equivalent of skimmed milk. That's what he's serving up. I should have accepted that such a request from me originally might have seen our customer-barista relationship get off on the wrong foot. But over time, we could have repaired it, as I did with many of the waiters over the last 20 years. I mean, two or three of the waiters who are still there you know, in the mid-noughties, it was a bit fractious at times. I probably had an inflated opinion of myself at that time, you know, put a few backs out. Backs out? Noses out of joint? Whatever. But hopefully uh, that's all in the past. But I think with this guy, maybe we needed to start off on the wrong foot because I'm now stuck with coffees that I don't like. He does wait tables now, which is good. I want to see him do more of that and I'd rather have someone else make the coffees because his is the weakest coffee there by by a distance. I'd got there on Friday to the cafe at around 11.30 hours. The cafe was super busy there. There were a couple of days last week again where I just sat with my back to the action having to take whatever tables were available. Friday I got my least favorite table by the door. Took me 20 minutes I think to get served. I think the tricolors the time that goes into those does delay the coffee arrivals. That's what I mean. Maybe if they were busier, they wouldn't have time for that. I think this is something that maybe has come through, has emerged during the pandemic. Without the pandemic, the tricolors may never have happened. I, I, I don't really, you know, they look great, but they don't taste great. My table or one of them, my pandemic era choices, uh, came free, but I didn't want it to look like I desperately wanted to sit at that particular table because I needed to pad out the show and have something to talk about, and I needed to uh, I needed to be sitting facing any cafe action that might be unfolding. It was a decision made easier by not McNabbing not mixed table with the single radiator when he returned for the second time that morning. That guy blows his pension on the cafe, and if I had a decent pension, that is. What I do Saturday morning, I was there. I I had to I had to go. It's you know it's all expenditure, but I feel I get more out of it. It sorts me out mentally. It makes me content. It kills a couple of hours, but in a very pleasurable way. I always feel better coming out of there. It's like the run on Friday. With a run, I had an earlier in the week. I think I said to you last week that when I did Friday, the previous Friday's 13-something K, the one thing I couldn't do that day, that run, was 
visually get into the zone, focus on something and come back with a train of positive thoughts that maybe could feed back into my work. But I was able to do that on Friday. I was able to get into the zone and I started having some thoughts with regards to the comedy short. On Saturday morning, I was in there with the latest printed out draft and it was. I left the laptop at home that day and it was just a pleasure to be in there. And, you know, it's a bit more expensive on a Saturday because I've got to buy breakfast because I was in there just after eight. And, uh, you know, yeah, I just like being there. I, well, I love being there. Saturday morning is actually my favorite time to go. And it always was historically. Reminds me of my uh, late noughties peak writing when I was on absolute fire. But yeah, obviously these things to uh, cost you money. The Gurner was in, guy who gurned at an ex of mine in the late noughties. He was in, he was standing at the bar. He's been going there for as long as I have, probably longer. He looks like a chubby version of the Fonz. The 2001 era waiter was also in, you know, the, the, the late owner's husband's cousin. He'd had a, he'd just shaved. It was noticeable. He's one of those guys who always has that four or five o'clock shadow, whichever it is. And he just shaved and he looked really young. He, he looks very young anyway, even when he's got a beard, he was smartly suited up. I mean, it's about 17, 18 years now since he left the cafe, but he's remained a regular customer. There was a wide-brimmed hat customer sat outside. It's such a pretentious hat. It works in a Western, that's it, or a musical. Outside of those two arenas, it, it just doesn't work for me. It's an unnecessary hat. It does not work in SW8. I noticed uh, the barflies are now back, uh, Chubby Fonz and some of the old regulars who always stood at the bar because that's the masculine thing to do. They're all now back at the bar getting ready for the next wave of COVID, probably thinking they're protected with their boosters. Coffee with a future me on Saturday and this morning as well. I mean, we didn't agree to meet for coffee, but we saw each other. And so we got chatting on Saturday. I told him to jump on my table. I, I, I was clearing up anyway. I was putting the laptop away and we chatted for a bit. And we chatted this morning as well. Very nice to see him. He was going to a concert yesterday which he said he enjoyed it was two-thirds full but there was no social distancing and he's uh, he's he's okay with uh his arsenal team at the moment you know they're picking up form of course he doesn't go and see them now first time i think in 60 years that he doesn't or 50 years that he doesn't have a season ticket after seeing future me i popped into my aunts on the way back took the lift up with the postman. The postman had gone early with the tinsel on his trolley. Not sure what the thinking is there, whether he's trying to convey the fact he's a bit of a character. Last week, I actually saw the urinating man of SW9, uh, not to be confused, of course, with the still AWOL urinating dwarf, AWOL since 2013 of SW8. It wasn't the urinating man of SW9 I saw. Uh, do keep up with me. It was his wife, and you know she's in her 80s. She wasn't wearing a mask. She looked a bit gaunt. The perm of old wasn't there anymore. But you, you know, you're thinking, look, I'm wearing a mask indoors in the lifts, you know, to protect the vulnerable, to protect myself. You're one of the vulnerable. You're not wearing a mask indoors. She lives in my aunt's block, and I said to her, look, you can take the lift, and I'll. Um, I'll wait. She said I, I could go up there, clearly make, making it clear that she wasn't getting in with me. Well, that's fine. Uh, I've got no problem with that. But really, you should be wearing your mask. Of course, uh, of course, what I, what, what I took from that was I, I really didn't need to introduce myself with a mask. I don't think she'd have recognized me. Or I don't think she had. But I introduced myself through the mask in case she did. Really, I shouldn't have with her in case I see her husband. You know, I don't know if her husband would recognize me. I think with him, I'd attempt to walk past with the mask without introducing myself. I forgot to say, actually, a bit of a faux pas of mine. Let me just take you back to the cafe just for a moment longer before we leave it for good. This morning, I'd helloed early Jim outside the cafe. We then acknowledged each other in the cafe. He was sat outside the cafe first. We then acknowledged each other in the cafe because I was swapping tables after future me left because uh, not mixed table had become available. So I was swapping tables and uh, early Jim was coming in to use the loo. I acknowledged him again. We probably didn't need to acknowledge each other a second time. But the thing is, as he exited the loo, I made the mistake of making eye contact again a third time. I was just off my eye contact stroke acknowledging game. And you only need to acknowledge each other once, I think. And early Jim must have thought, well, what's going on with this guy today? Every time... Every time I'm here, we have to acknowledge each other. It's excessive. 
Fortnite, Cafe Fortnite, Sam Fox, my old kid cop star. She was on the uh, cafe playlist this morning with Touch Me. Anyway, back to my aunts. I left my aunts and I was walking then down Landall Road, one of the grimmest roads of my life, SW9. And I sighted the wig, the wig I've mentioned on the show over the years. He's a guy basically who wears a wig. He does a lot of Portuguese language classes at the Tate Library. And he had a ridiculously dark wig, even for his age, back in the noughties. But then in the 2010s, he corrected that. He maintained the toupee with the ridiculous neckline. It just, it just looks like a hat, basically. But at least it was a greyed out wig. But I saw him on Saturday on Landor Road, jet black wig, grey beard. His phone was mounted on a large tripod. He was reading something on the street. I don't know if he was recording some sort of presentation because he is very good when it comes to that stuff. He does a lot of, uh, I think, local walks and talks. He's uh, clearly uh, an academic guy, but he's got a big failing intellectually when it comes to the wig because I think he's got the right skull shape to have gone bald, but it's I don't know why he's gone back to the jet black wig. It's as if these thoughts, you know, coming out of the pandemic, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna go back to this. I'm going to turn the clock back 20 years. I've got the grey beard. But, you know, maybe people will believe, one, this is genuine hair, and two, this is genuinely my hair colour. Very strange. Before I go, let me give you some of my internet searches this week, and perhaps you want to send in some of your internet searches over the next week for me to read out on the show, or you can tweet them at 1607westegg or email the show, DRT, available at westegg1607.co.uk, hashtag internet searches or online searches, whatever. Here we go. Amanda Staveley, plastic surgery, speaker's corner. Pepsi and Shirley, Can't Give Me Love, Jack the Ripper, Documentary, Liquid, Drum and Bass, NYPD Blue, Season 1, Callous Removal Compilation. The last one I must stress, not because of any personal foot issues, despite running in what are now running shoes that need replacing, but just because in addition to wishing I could have been a dermatologist and carried out a punch biopsy or 50, I'd have enjoyed some podiatry action. As long as they weren't diabetic ulcers, I can't watch those videos, or unwashed feet. I'd love to be shaving the hard skin off people's feet, all gloved up. Sometimes you see amateurs doing it without the gloves. You think, what are you doing? What are you doing? Put your gloves on. And that is it. That is the end of this week's show. If you do enjoy this show, please do retweet, share the links on whatever social media you're busy on. It would be a massive help. Maybe we can get the uh, download figures into three figures this week. That would make a change, wouldn't it? Now it's time for you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. Keep washing those hands. Keep ventilating too. I'm Daniel Ruiz-Tyson, and this start of the week, I have been available. <laughs>